Welcome to Axios Church Online. We're so excited you had joined us here on our online campus. We hope this message encouraged you and uplifts you throughout your week. Enjoy this message. Let's, uh, let's welcome Jesse McKenna as he comes and brings the word this morning here. Also forgot to say, they're having a baby. They just ran. You, you got to preach on that one. You got to preach on that one. Hey, stay standing with me. Can we give God some praise this morning? Come on. Amen. And um, everyone invite you to stay standing. We're going to read God's word together in just a moment. But um, before we do, uh, man, we're so proud of you. Um, we're here celebrating three years. Come on, three years. And, um, yeah, my wife, Emily, has come. We've been cheering you guys on from New Jersey for, from the beginning. And uh, my wife, Emily's here, and she has our future daughter, February. She's coming, so um, we're excited to be with you. Hey, um, before we jump in, I just want to take a moment. We love your pastors so much. And um, the Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 13, that you, you need to give honor where honor is due. In fact, uh, Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy, he says, um, the people who lead the church through preaching and teaching are worthy of double honor. And um, I'm going to invite you in a moment, not yet, but in a moment just to make a ridiculous amount of noise just to honor your pastors. Um, but I just wanted to say something. Um, I've known Eric now. We were talking about this back um, in the room before, but I've known you for almost 15 years. Jess, I've known you for a little less, but... Um, Eric was the ministry student that was actually doing ministry, like, like, and there's not many, you know, and um, we'd all be sleeping in, and Eric would be waking up early, going to churches and serving. The only reason I served in college is because Eric wouldn't let me sleep in. And he would come in my room and wake me up, and we were serving, and we did kids ministry and youth ministry and worship ministry, and um, want to honor you guys because this isn't something you're doing because you're the leaders now. Um, you've been doing it from the beginning, and you guys have a heart for ministry, and um, your commitment to the church, even when you were to volunteer, um, shows your consistency, your passion, and the anointing that's on your guys' life, and um, man, we've been praying for you guys from New Jersey. We're supporting you, and we love you so much. Hey, can we make just like a ridiculous amount of noise to honor your past? Come on, put your hands together. We love you guys. And um, it's Pastor Appreciation Month, so if you haven't gotten a Pastor Appreciation gift, you got, is it, you got one more Sunday? We don't know. Hey, stay standing. We're going to read God's Word. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we're going to jump into, I asked your pastors, how long do I have? They said, one hour for every year we've been at church. So, you know what I mean? I was like, does that include the preparation year? You're not needing to know, three or four. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5, I want to read verses 17 through 21. The Bible teaches us that the church is a group of people with three characteristics. A group of people that have been called out, called together, and called toward. So you've, you've been called out of sin. You've been called out of brokenness. You've been called out of your own life. But then you've been called together to be in community and unity with one another. But you've also been called toward a purpose. A mission. And if you have one without the others, it's cool, but it's not church. So if you've been called out of sin, but you haven't been called together in community, that's cool, but it's not church. And if you've been called toward a life's mission, but you haven't been called out of your sin in your old life, it's fine, but it's not the church. The church is people who have been called out, called together, and called 
toward. And Paul mentions these three things in the verses we're going to read today. Beginning in verse 17, he says this. He says, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone and the new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. And God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. And so we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us, so we speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Paul says, we've been called out. Your life has been changed. But you notice he says, now he's given us, us together, community. He's called us together, but he's given us a task. We've been called toward something, a purpose. And a mission. And I want to talk for the next few moments we have together around this task that we've been given. I'm calling the message today Story Changers. Come on, we're called to be story changers. Are you with me, Axios? We're called to be story changers. Hey, let's pray together. God, we're so grateful to be in your house today, grateful for your presence, grateful for your spirit. God, we're grateful for all that you've done over these past three years. We're grateful for the lives that have been changed and the stories that have been told. But, God, we are also grateful for the stories that are yet to come. God, we're grateful for the, for the next three and the next 30 years, God. We're looking forward to it. So, God, we invite you into this place today. God, that you would anoint these words that they wouldn't be mine at all. They would be yours just flowing through me. And, God, we commit, we make a commitment right now that as you speak, we will not only just listen but we will act on what you speak. God, we love you. We praise you. We pray it all in the strong, powerful, trustworthy, story-changing name of Jesus. And everybody said amen, amen, amen. Hey, be seated, be seated, be seated. I don't know if you have the same experience as me, but I've noticed that the longer I live, my definition of it's getting late gets earlier and earlier. Is anybody with me? <laughs> like what used to be late is no longer, like it's, it's just a different category of things. It used to be when I was in college, I would say it's getting late when it was like 2, 3 a.m. You know what I mean? It's getting late. The sun's coming up. It's getting, people are getting ready for work. It's getting late. But now I'm in this season of my life, I wouldn't say I'm old. I don't have gray hairs like your Pastor Eric does. But you know what I mean? Like I'm getting to this point where my definition of late is changing. Like for me, late nowadays is like 9 p.m. Like I don't know where those six hours went from 3 a.m. to 9 p.m. But this is 9 o'clock runs around and I'm like, it's getting late. So Pastor Emily and I, we were out um, a couple weeks ago. We were in Target and it was late. 9, 9 p.m., you know, and we were, they, they told me that the kids nowadays, they call it vamping, vampire life, staying up late, like all night, like vamp life, vampire, we were vamping, it was 9 o'clock, 
And um, we're in Target, and God knows how long we were in Target. You know how you can get just sort of lost in there, and you don't know. It's like a casino. They don't have any outside lights. You don't know what time it is. And, and, and I'm just in the middle of the aisles, I'm, and, and I have this moment. I wouldn't say I screamed because I'm not crazy, but the case could be made that I exclaimed in the middle of Target. And I'm just in there, and I, and I have this moment where I just go, why are we here? <laughs> you ever have one of those moments? And we're just in there, and it's 9 o'clock, and I don't know what's going on. And I'm like, why are we here? And I look around for an answer from my wife, and she's not even in the same aisle as me. <laughs> it was just me and some other dude. And, y'all, he looked at me with existential dread in his eyes and literally said this to me. I don't know. And he walked away. Why? Why are we here? I don't know. You know what I think? I think that this happens to us in moments and seasons throughout our life. We have these moments where we wake up and we realize I've just been kind of going through life day by day. I've been going to work week by week. I've been going to church Sunday after Sunday. And what I've realized in my life is that it's easy to get caught up in a routine and forget the reason. That I'm just kind of been doing this. But then we have these moments, and I think they're important moments where we wake up to the routines that we've been trapped in. And we ask ourselves the question, wait a second, what is this all about? Why am I doing what I'm doing? Why am I living the life I'm living? Why am I, why am I, why am I here? And how many of you know that the world will often try to force feed you an answer to that question? And if you don't have your own answer to the question, why am I here? What's the purpose? What am I doing? The world will try to force feed you an answer. This is why Paul says in Romans 12, he says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world. Like you got to be careful because the world around you will try to, try to press you into its own pattern. And if you don't have an answer for the question, what is my purpose? Why am I here? What am I doing? The world will clamp itself down around you and fold you and mold you into its own purpose. We went over somebody's house the other day, and they had, they had a design-your-own pattern waffle maker. <laughs> whatever, whatever pattern you want, you can shape your own pattern and make your own waffle. And this is sometimes how life is like, that the world will teach you you can design your own pattern. You want fulfillment, you can, you can design your own pattern. And I think some of us, if we were to be honest and dig deep into our life, we would realize that we have picked up patterns that are not the patterns of God. And the world will teach you and it will tell you, you can pick up the pattern of comfort. And some of us have asked the question, why am I here? And you've responded with, I just want to be comfortable, y'all. That's not, a, isn't that, it doesn't even on the surface sound like a bad thing. Like, I just want to live a comfortable life, man. Leave me alone. Just want, to be, just want to be comfortable. Others of us, it's not comfort, it's accumulation. So if I just get enough stuff, I'll be good. And if I could get that car, I'd be good. And if I could get that house, I'd be good. And if I could get that much money in my account, I'd be good. For some of us, it's comfort. For others of us, it's accumulation. For others of us, it's influence. If I could just get more followers, if I could get a platform, if I could get status but the problem with the patterns of the world is that the patterns of the world will over promise and under deliver and so you'll find yourself in moments where you thought if I could get this I'd be comfortable 
and then you got the thing and realize, but on the inside, I'm still uncomfortable. So I accumulated all the stuff I thought I needed to, to live a fulfilled life, but then I get all the stuff I thought I needed and realize something's still, something's still missing. And I get all the followers and all the influence, and I realize I'm still unfulfilled and alone. And I think in these moments in our lives, we have to go back to this question and ask ourselves, wait a second, in reality, why am I here? Comfort, accumulation, influence, status, money, power. I mean, what is the, the purpose of me being here? And I think I want to challenge you this morning. Some of us are walking around with the bargain brand why of the world. Wondering why it can't fulfill the God-sized calling on your, your life. Paul in 2 Corinthians is writing to a group of people that live in a culture that is constantly trying to press them into its own pattern. Don't y'all love when people are like, the Bible's just not relevant? Well, Paul's writing to a church who lives in a culture where it's easy to think that comfort is the goal and accumulation is the goal. And status is the goal. And we live in a culture that parallels this city of Corinth. And Paul is writing to them and he's trying to get them to understand that you got to stop placing your purpose in the temporary. That you can't really fulfill what God has for you. You can't fill the eternal with the temporary. The book of Ecclesiastes says this. It says, God has set eternity in the human heart. And here's the tension. I got eternity within me, but the temporary is all around me. And so it can become easy for me to assume that the temporary stuff around me can fulfill the eternal calling that sits within me. Now, I don't know if it's my hubris, my impatience, or my lack of judgment. But I often find myself after dinner cleaning up, trying to fit stuff in containers that it doesn't fit in. I don't know. It's just something I have where I just, I don't like extra space being taken up in the fridge. So I get the smallest container possible. And I'm not good at eyeing it. The other day, I'm trying to just shove some rice into a Pyrex container. And then look over out of my corner of my eyes and I can see my beautiful pregnant wife looking at me with a scowl on her face. <laughs> Isn't it funny how it's easy from the outside to see that ain't going to fit. But when it comes to ourselves, we think, no, 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 I can make it fit. And Paul from the outside is looking at this church saying, it's not going to fit. You can't fit an eternal size calling into a temporary size container. You got to allow God to do something bigger. You got to allow God to expand something within you. And Paul wants them to begin to recenter their why on something bigger. So he does two things, two really important things. Number one, in order to get them to recenter their why on the eternal, he has to remind them what they have been saved from. Because if you forget what you've been saved from, you will lose sight of the calling that God has on your life. This is what Paul says in the verses we read. He says, anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old, you notice it says new person, not better person. So, so he's, the old life is gone. The new life has 
begun and all of this is a gift from God. In other words, Paul's like, I gotta remind you as we talk about your calling and your purpose and the eternity that God has set within you, I gotta remind you what you've been saved from. Because if you forget what you've been saved from, you'll get off track. I want you to know today, God has saved you. God has redeemed you from the old life. Paul says it's a gift from God. You can't earn this salvation, can't deserve this salvation. You can't good your way to God. Anybody grateful today for just the free gift of God's salvation that he's brought into your life? It's the gift of his salvation. But here's the problem. The problem is that the church Paul's writing to, they already know about this salvation. They already know about this. This is why some of y'all, I was like, hey, let's thank God. And some of y'all were like, let's thank God for my salvation. Talking about, this is a beginner sermon. <laughs> I already know about the grace of God. I already know all about how God saved me. I already know, I know the theological words. I know justification, sanctification, glorification. I know, I know all of it. And the church that Paul's writing to, they know it too. But what they don't know is that that grace, God's saving grace, is level one grace. And level one grace is grade school grace. But there's an upgrade to grace that they have not yet stepped into. And I think a lot of us in church, we know all about God's saving grace. But it's a shock to some of us to learn that God's saving grace actually comes with an upgrade. That you can actually upgrade from what God saved you from to number two, what God saved you for. So it's God's saving grace, and then it's God's sending grace. And I think as Christians, we so often, and it's not that one is better than the other, it's just that one is always incomplete without the other. And we have a lot of Christians that celebrate what we've been saved from but we ain't never stepped into what we've been saved for. And it mirrors this journey of the Israelites who have been saved out of Egypt. And what they have been saved from is slavery, but they haven't realized what they've been saved for, the promise. And when you live in the gap between what you've been saved from and what you've been saved for, you find yourself wandering around in the wilderness. And there's a lot of Christians that know what they've been saved from, but haven't been stepped into what they've been saved for. And we wonder, why does my life feel like I'm wandering around in the wilderness, not knowing what his purpose is for my life? See, it's this, it's this, it's this upgrade of grace from what I've been saved from into what I have been saved for. It's his saving grace, and then it's his, his sending grace. And I believe God really is, look, this is why I love your church. This is why I love that you have started a church and planted a church, because God is looking for people that say, I am forever eternally grateful for what I've been saved from, but I refuse to just sit there. I got to make the transition from his saving grace. And then I got to pray the prayer of Isaiah. Here I am. Send me. God, I know what you saved me from, but, but what are you sending me to? What are you saving me for? And I don't mean everybody stick out your toes. I'm a guest preacher. I get to step on your toes just a little bit. If you got fresh Jordans on, you can hide them under the seats. But everybody else, 
put them out. We have a lot of spiritually immature Christians because we've been saved but not sent. And the path of spiritual maturity is to upgrade your grace from being saved to being sent. You know, Jesus, throughout his ministry, always had two groups of people with him. There was the crowd, and then there was his crew. And the crowd got to witness the miracles, but the crew got to facilitate the miracles. The crowd got to witness his authority, but the crew got to receive his authority and go out into the world and carry on the mission that he started. There's a difference between the crowd and the crew, and God is looking for people in this culture, in this day and age, to ask, hey, who's willing to step out of just the circle of being saved and saying, God, send me. God, use me. God, pour out your spirit on me. God, I want to be used by you to do what you've called me to do. Believe the crowd, and to join the crew. Now, here's why I think this is the word that you need to hear on your birthday. Some of y'all are like, Pastor, this is intense. <laughs> it's our birthday. There should be more jokes. <laughs> but here's why I think you need to hear this, because the bridge between what you've been saved from and what you have been saved for is the spiritual family that you have been placed in. So I said the church is people who have been called out, called together, and then called toward. So the bridge between what you've been called out of and what you've been called toward is the spiritual family that God has planted you in. And there's power when you get planted in a spiritual family. That's why I love your mission statement as a church. You exist so that people would find their worth and purpose in Christ, in God. In other words, we exist so that people could find their worth, what they've been called out of and their purpose, what they've been called into. And your church serves as the bridge so that people can come in and find life in Jesus, but then not just sit in being saved, but to go out into your community, in your community feedings, and to go out and to hand out invitation cards and to bring people with you like Eric brought me to serve at church, bringing people with you to church. That, that you serve as the bridge between what people have been saved from and what they have been saved for. It's the calling we have as a church. And I think we get confused, don't we? We treat church like a cruise ship, and the church is actually a battleship. So that's why we talk about silly stuff, like I gotta go, go to church to get fed. Fam, you've been following Jesus for 30 years. You still need to get spoon-fed every Sunday? It's, it's not a cruise ship. This isn't here for my convenience, dinner and a show. This is for me to come and get empowered so that I can go back into my, my work, my job and my neighborhood and bring what I receive to where I'm going. And I want to, over the next few moments I have together, I want to share with you four things about this task that we've been given as a church to be story changers. Because I believe if we're going to embrace this calling as a church to be story changers, it's going to require something from all of us. Four things. Number one is this. It's going to require a deeper faith. Jesus is looking for a crew that has deep faith in who he is. Deep faith in his ability to do the impossible. Do you believe that God is still a miracle working God? 
You believe that God's still a healing God. You believe that, that God has vision for your church beyond what you can see right now, that he has vision for your city and for your state. He's looking for a church that has, has deep faith. I still remember the moment I was traumatized by the movie Jaws. I swore off the deep end forever after I saw the movie Jaws. I'm the, I, y'all are like, it's the ocean. You know what I mean? I didn't, I didn't care. I can't see the bottom of the deep end. I'm not going in the deep end. And so I moved myself to the shallow end because of what I was afraid of. But then I realized that certain things cannot be accomplished in the shallow end. Certain stuff you can't participate in in the shallow end. And I had to overcome my fear, had to overcome my offense, had to overcome pain. You have to overcome hurt. Listen, some of y'all are carrying hurt around from what somebody did to you, said to you, hurt you. God's calling you back out of the shallow end of your faith to say, come on, I can heal that. But you got to get back in the deep end because I'm looking for a church that has deep faith, believing that I can move. You know, there's, there's two times in the Bible that says it, Jesus was amazed. The first time is when he went to his hometown and the people were offended at him and didn't honor him. And the Bible says he was amazed at their lack of faith. The second time the Bible says Jesus was amazed was the centurion, the Roman centurion, who sent people to Jesus and said, you don't even have to come to my house. Speak the word and my servant will be healed. And it says, and Jesus was amazed at his great faith. You know what amazes Jesus? Two things, lack of faith and great faith. And I want to be the kind of person in my life that amazes Jesus because of how deep I believe. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care if I can figure out the logistics of it. I same God that moved mountains and the same God that parted seas is the same God that's alive today. And so I, I have deep faith. We're going to be story changers. we got to be people who have a, a deeper faith. Number two, we got to move from deeper faith to increased ownership. we got a few. They shouted for faith. Quieter for ownership. I hear you. But Jesus says this. He says the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would send workers. You know what Jesus does in the very next chapter then? The people that he just said pray for workers, he sends them out to work. Like, in other words, you are the answer to the prayer that he's asking you to pray. God, send workers. And God's like, okay, I am. Go. Like, I'm the, I'm the, the worker. I think sometimes in church we can think it's the pastors. Pastors build the church. Pastors, you know what Ephesians 4 says? It says your pastor's job is to empower the people for works of service. So my pastor's job is to empower me to serve. My, my pastor's job is to, is to equip me to build what he's building. And there's this calling we have to have an increased ownership of this house and building this house. I remember when I was younger, we were driving as a family and um, probably coming to Florida to visit my family. And we were on this trip and, and I remember I saw something I had never seen before. And my dad was in construction when he was younger. And, and I said, Dad, what is that? And next to us was this massive flatbed truck, this big semi with a flatbed, and it had a whole house on the back of it. 
I had never seen this before. I was like, that had oversized load on the back, you know what I'm saying? And it was just this big semi, had a whole house. I said, Dad, what is this house? And he said, oh, that's, that's called a prefabricated house. So they build it in a warehouse somewhere, and then you just call them up and ask for it, and they bring a pre-built house. Wherever you want it, they'll drop it down. I think some of us think church is that. So we're looking for God. Jesus, build your church. Come drop it off. Jesus, I, I, I want to be blessed by a ministry. Can you come drop it off? But what you want to be blessed by has to be built up. And Jesus promised to build his church, but he's building it through people like you and me. Listen, if we're going to change the stories of our community, it's going to take deeper faith and increased ownership. And number three, it's going to take radical unity. It's going to take unity. In other words, we got to do this together, like serving together, giving together, participating. It's going to take a unified church to experience all that God has for us. And I don't know, your pastor can apologize for me next Sunday, but I think a lot of us, we have sacrificed our purpose on the altar of our preferences. And because our preferences stopped being met, we stopped leaning into our purpose. But if there's going to be unity in the house of God, listen, listen, listen. Some of you need to crucify your preferences so that your purpose can be raised back to life. That there's a, there's a unity. You know what the psalm says? The psalm says unity is the place where God commands his favor. I want to be in the place where God's commanding his favor but it's only going to happen when we come together unified under the vision that God has given our pastors and unified and coming together and say, hey, we're all in. This is why I love that you're in this season of legacy. Two Sundays from now, come together in your legacy offering. You know what I'm praying for your church? I'm not praying for a number. I'm praying for 100% participation. I'm just praying for unity. Praying that every single person in this room would just pray the same prayer. God, how would you have me to participate? God, would a sacrifice look for me? Because you, you can't imagine what God will do through a unified church coming together and saying, God, here we are. Use us. See, it's a, it's a deeper faith, increased ownership, radical unity. And number four is unwavering resolve. Unwavering resolve. Resolve. Like endurance. Like the first three have been cool, but I'm ready for the next 30. I'm in this thing for the, for the long run. I'm in this thing for the long haul. I'm not just in this thing for the short term, but we have an unwavering resolve that no matter what comes against us, we're committed to building the house that God has planted us in. And I can tell you this, there's just power when you guys come together and there's just an understanding, hey, we're in this thing. You know how, how, how needed it is just to remind your pastors, heart and soul, we're in this thing. Just want to let you know, we're in this thing. We're building this thing. Three years, pastors, we're in it for the next 30. God's planted us in this house, and until God tells us otherwise, we're building this thing. There's an unwavering resolve. And I really do believe that the stories of your community will change when your church realizes we're going to upgrade our grace. We're not sitting in what we've been saved from anymore. 
We're stepping into what we've been saved for. We're stepping into the sending grace of God. And we have a deeper faith, increased ownership, radical unity, and an unwavering resolve. In New Jersey, there's been this thing that's been in the news a lot lately. It's been prevalent for a while, but it's been getting more and more kind of, you see it a lot more. And they're talking about how the Jersey Shore is washing away. Y'all know this down in Miami and the Keys. You've seen this stuff too. But in New Jersey, it's becoming a thing. And they're talking about how the Jersey Shore is, and so these million-dollar houses and the shore is just washing away. Well, we were down the shore this past summer, and I stood on the beach, and I didn't see anything washing away. You know what I mean? I, 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 was, I stood there for five minutes, and I didn't see anything washing away. I almost wrote a letter to the newspaper. But that's the thing, is moment by moment, you don't see the difference. But then I looked up photos from 20 years ago, and you can see how the beach has gone from here. One, one news article said this. It said, the Jersey Shore is washing away grain of sand by grain of sand. Sand by sand, the shore is washing away. Think back to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 18. He said, I will build my church and the gates of hell won't be able to stop it. And the way that we make advances against the kingdom of darkness is not sand by sand, it's story by story. The stories of the people that come in, the stories of your friends that you bring, the stories of people that are touched by a meal, the stories of people that are touched by an outreach, the stories of, of people that come into this place with their own brokenness, it's story by story that God is changing this world. I don't know if you picked up on this, but my, my points, faith, ownership, unity, resolve, F-O-U-R, four, four. You're like, Pastor, this is our third year anniversary. You need to rewrite the points. Spell four because I believe that next year you're going to stand in this same Sunday and you're going to celebrate one more year. But I really believe that the level of your celebration will be directly tied to your obedience with these four areas of your life. What was the level of my faith? What was the level of my ownership? Did I have a unified spirit? And was I committed to be resolved, to stay in this thing, to be planted in God's house and to see what God could do together through, through us? I wanna invite you today to stand with me. One of the things that we say at our church is that every number has a name and every name has a story and every story matters to God. And the truth is that the church is just built on stories. Name by name, story by story, Jesus is building his church. I believe that he's building this church too, but it requires something from, from us, amen heads bowed and eyes closed across the room. I wonder if there's anyone here today that would say, Pastor, I, I've never even responded to level one grace. Or maybe for you, you responded a long time ago, but life has had its twists and turns. And you've drifted away and today God is, is calling you home. I wanna give you an opportunity. We call this salvation. And it is the first step on your journey of following Jesus. 
And with heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to invite you, if you're here today, and you would say, I want to pray this prayer. I want to commit my life. I want to begin this journey. Or I want to recommit my life and live the life that God has for me. I'm going to count to three in just a moment, and I want to ask you that if that's you, that you would just raise your hand. No one's looking around. This is between you, me, and God. But this is the best decision that you will ever make in your life. If that's you on the count of three, would you just raise your hand? Ready? One, two, three. Would you just raise your hand? There's hands going up all around the room today. I want to pray a prayer. I just want to ask you to repeat this prayer in your own words, in your own heart. Just, just say this. Say, say, God, thank you for your grace. I'm a sinner, and I'm in need of a Savior. And so today I confess with my mouth, and I believe in my heart that you are Lord. God, today I'm declaring this is the beginning of a new chapter in my story. God, this is the beginning of a new chapter today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hey, can we celebrate those who made a decision today? Wasn't that an amazing message? If you'd like to help partner with us to push this mission forward here in Lakeland, Florida, you can go to axioschurch.com and in the giving tab, you can give a one-time donation or a reoccurring gift. We are so thankful for all of you that have decided to join us this morning and meet every Sunday, and we can't wait to see you next time. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share, turn on your post notifications, and make sure you're tuned in to everything that Axios Church has to offer.